action. Welcome to Torn Stubbs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcast at Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We're going to continue our celebration of the films of Xavier Dolan by watching Tom at the Farm, his 2013 thriller. Joshua. Xavier Dolan plays Tom, who's a blonde, kind of nerdy city boy journalist who goes out into the countryside to stay with the family of his dead boyfriend um, because he's going to be attending his dead boyfriend's funeral. Um, The only person who knows that Tom is actually the lover of the dead man is the dead guy's brother Francis, played by Pierre Yves Cardinal, who has kept this relationship secret from um, the mother, who is played by Lisa Roy. And it's kind of about Tom... Uh, who stays at the farm to kind of keep up this charade and at the same time there's a very fraught strange relationship that develops between him and Francis. Had you seen this before? I saw it when it first came out in 2013 was it? Okay yeah Um, yeah in the cinema there was just a press screening so I went along to watch it okay I hadn't seen any of Xavier Dolan's films. Did you know who he was? No I had no idea who he was I just thought it was just a a kind of a little uh, indie gay film yeah and yeah, I remember really enjoying it, but it's interesting reappraising it, kind of having started from the beginning again and just mm-hmm. seeing how his films have progressed over the years. I had seen it. In fact, it was the first Xavier Dolan film I saw. Oh, same as me. So I think maybe this is my third or fourth viewing because I've got the Blu-ray. Um, I didn't see it when it first came out. So maybe I saw it for the first time 18 months ago. Hmm. Um, because you discovered your love for Xavier Dolan. Yeah, exactly. Um, from the outset, watching it in the context of watching them in order, mm-hmm. this is a complete departure. Oh, it's hugely different. This doesn't feel anything like I Killed My Mother, Heartbeats, or Lawrence Anyways. No, like right from the off. It's it's dark, it's restrained, it's, um, you know, the first nine minutes, there's no real there's no dialogue really apart mm. from it's just tom roaming this empty farm trying to find the family um there's no dialogue or anything and it's all a bit like mm, okay what the hell's going on why is this guy just wandering around this farmhouse it's got the feel of a early 90s psychological thriller like hand the rocks the cradle that kind of era mm. very melancholic very tense very foreboding yeah, and it's it's just generally dark. Like visually, it's it's gritty and dark, and it's it doesn't have that same um, kind of fantastical feeling that a lot of Xavier Dolan's films have. I feel this is a a concerted effort to be more mainstream. Oh, do you think? I reckon so. Because okay. you because you mentioned in one of the previous episodes that it's strange to think that when you consider what his favorite films are. And if he does a, a top 10 list of films, they're always the big blockbusters or uh-huh. the big mainstreams like Titanic, Mrs. Doubtfire, Home Alone. And yet he makes these very personal art films that will have a restricted audience. Yeah, but I don't think this is mainstream either. I think that the 
the idea of making a thriller perhaps is mainstream. And obviously he's he's ad- uh, adapted this from the original play with the, the playwright as yes. well. He kind of co-wrote it with him. So maybe that is kind of looking to looking outside of himself for for projects that might have more of a mainstream appeal but this is still very much a kind of quite a niche little indie thriller but compared to the previous three this is a whole different beast oh yeah it absolutely it is yeah it doesn't seem to have any of the surreal asides no um there's a real restraint in the slow motion that he uses and i can only think of one moment really yeah it's the perhaps, dip in the dance yeah yeah that's true it's perhaps his most conventional story narratively it's still very complex in its relationships yeah but um in terms of like the dialogue is very sparse the as you said the visuals are a lot sparser it's shorter lawrence anyways was two hours 40 and this is one hour 40 yes so it's it's scaled back massively and for me it was kind of a relief because lawrence anyways as beautiful as, as it is in lots of ways, I also found it quite exhausting and the last half isn't particularly gripping. So to come to this, where it's got a tiny cast, like the main cast is three people. Uh, it's Tom, Francis and his mother. And a, and One, a, and a <clears throat> baby cow called Bitch Ass. Oh, and baby, baby Bitch Ass. Baby Bitch Ass. It's pretty much one location. Mm-hmm. It's got this really tight, intimate, foreboding feeling to it. Um, it has the hallmarks of a first film. Yeah. One location, minimal cast. So maybe he was looking to do something smaller. Maybe it was uh, cheaper, easier to get made. I know that he sometimes struggles to get budgets together and projects greenlit. Well, that's that's the indie filmmaking world, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I just get the feeling that because so much is different in the approach here. It's the first time he's making the film that he hasn't written as an original idea himself. He's adapted a play. Mm. he's restricted the locations where even in his first film which you would think let me restrict the locations I Killed My Mother has a lot of locations mm. for any film let alone a first, t- first time out of the box film yeah whereas this is just on the farm pretty much yeah well it's called Top of the, the Farm he's got to go to the farm yeah, yeah. it's not Jason Goes to Manhattan for the last 20 minutes of the film yeah but also the colour palette is completely stripped back really dingy dirty blues and greys it's a very cold film so it's a bit of a shock when suddenly we're in that barn and they're dancing and it's all these gorgeous warm tones Mm. yeah but and it's also a different Xavier Dolan on display like this Tom is a, a really kind of quite introverted nerdy guy yeah he's not cool in the way that other guys that Xavier Dolan has played are. Yeah, they've got a complete transformation. It's completely different. That like fucking hair. That big mop of blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I was, you know, when I first watched this, I had no idea who Xavier Dolan was. And I was like, oh, it's this guy with crazy blonde hair. But <laughs> he's not at all. He just no. obviously did it for the film. And he's not a brat here. He no. feels like Xavier Dolan, the person on screen, has grown up. He's completely vulnerable in this film. He's, yes. He's so vulnerable in a way that his other characters haven't been. There's no arrogance. No. There was a lot of arrogance to his character in Heartbeats. Yeah. And there was insane amounts of teenage brattery in I Killed My Mother. Yeah, off the chart. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just kind of 
this is a far more introspective film and role for Xavier Dolan. I really like his performance in this. Yeah, it's great. And it, it forces you to ask questions and it forces you to kind of figure out why Tom stays there. What's he doing? And well, that was one of my questions. After the funeral, he almost escapes. He's driving away. But he goes back. Why does he go back? Yeah, I mean, he goes, oh, my fucking luggage. I need to get my stuff. But, but that's just a ploy. You know, that, well, that's him telling himself that. Why do you think he goes back? There's a lot of really complex stuff going on with his relationship with Francis. Mm. And there's, this, there's a real suggestion that Francis is kind of... It seems like he's looking to replace his dead brother. But then Tom is looking to replace his dead lover... But then Francis potentially has feet like kind of confused sexual feelings for Tom. So it, it kind of there's that going on. But then it also is a little bit like Tom's creating as a prison of his own making. He's almost punishing himself for what? For something. We don't really know. We don't really know why the boyfriend died. How yeah, we he don't died. know why Guy or Guilhem yeah, died. We never find that out. So we know he killed himself age 25. Yeah. But we yeah. don't know how or why or what the circumstances were. I yeah. feel that I feel that Tom realizes he he might have been going out with this Gillum, but he doesn't know the person. Now he has access potentially for answers. Oh, okay. I didn't really I didn't really get that to be honest. I thought that it was more that he got caught up in this strange scenario in the farm. But he was only yeah. there by the by the time that he turns around to go back after the funeral. He'd only been there less than a day. Yeah. But he ends up spending like three weeks there, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's that. I mean, we'll come on to that. Why I find that a bit <clears throat> troubling, that three weeks thing. But when he turns around, I think he possibly has a complete affection for Francis, for the brother. He does. Oh, I mean, if Francis was ugly, he probably would have packed his bags and left that afternoon. But the fact mm. is, he is like disgustingly handsome he's so beautiful it's a it's a curse i live with it every yeah. day he's like in a in a really kind of rough farm hand kind of way he's just got his beautiful eyes and there's just something really dangerous he's like he's the bad boy do you want some time alone joshua <laughs> but take, that's the reason should we take a pause <laughs> that's one of the big reasons that he stays is because this guy is gorgeous and you're like you know maybe he's thinking oh i could tame him or but that's what you're reading into it yeah, but you said that as well, right? Well, no, I said, yeah, A, he might be attracted to the, the, the brother. Yeah. But I think he genuinely wants answers about who this guy was. Mm. Gillum, his, his boyfriend. I didn't. Where, how did you come to that? I didn't get that at all. He'd never seen Gillum's life back on the farm. He'd only known him in the city. So now he has access to the people in Gillum's past, let's say. He has answers to who this guy was. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But he doesn't he doesn't go digging or he doesn't really ask anybody any questions. He doesn't even particularly talk about Gillorm. He just kind of he just ends up getting slipping into this routine of working the farm with Francis and having to lie to the mother Agatha about the relationship, this fictional relationship that Gillorm had with Sarah, who's actually one of their co workers. Yeah. So I don't think he really particularly displayed any interest really in uncovering who the dead guy was I, I didn't really see that at all I thought it was more about his own state of mind you know when he's lying to Agatha he's talking about how worthless he is and how useless he is and 
and all of this really kind of self-hating self-talk and it seemed i felt like he was just punishing punishing himself he he enters this really odd sadomasochistic relationship with francis is francis gay um well you can't really tell but there's there's you know there's that stereotypical thing of the the homophobes are always the ones who are really questioning and insecure about their sexuality so obviously mm-hmm. that's a subtext that you could read into him um but there's that moment where he's they get uh, francis and tom get drunk together out in you know by a barn or something and it ends up with francis shoving tom against a wall gripping his neck and they seem to kind of agree that they're in a weird like sadomasochistic moment is he wanking where... in there well actually there was a scene where he jerks him off that was cut hmm. but it, i don't think he was i think he was just squeezing his throat and well, Tom... i think it was that scene i think yeah yeah they've just had shots cut out yeah i think so yeah because i'd never considered that he was wanking him until yesterday when i watched mm. it I think they took it out to make it more ambiguous. Mm. Um, Would you rather them to give you the answer there? Mm. The first time I watched it, I really wanted something actually to happen between them, like physically, properly. But this time around, it it was just so clear that Francis is just this really mess he's a bully he's a, mm. like a he's a bully with massive mummy issues he's desperate to please his mum. he's a he, control freak he's a control freak but he just is a bully and he doesn't get on with people and he likes to make people feel he makes himself feel bigger by make putting people down and he does that with tom immediately what does he say we could, first he confronts him in the bed he knows yeah you know, the very first night, Tom goes to bed and he gets woken up by Francis saying, don't you fucking dare tell my mum anything. You're going to pretend this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the next morning, he come, uh, Tom is sitting at the breakfast table and Francis comes downstairs and just stands right behind his mm-hmm. chair. And even when his mum says, get out of here and get ready for the funeral, he stands there and just makes it clear that he's the one who is in control. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to go and get changed. So he's making Tom feel tiny. Which partly maybe explains a little bit why he stays as well, because he gets a bit of that Stockholm Syndrome thing where he doesn't feel he's able to leave. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it <clears throat> Stockholm Syndrome? Because he's only there for a matter of three weeks. So, And it may not even be three weeks, because even though Sarah says you didn't know them three weeks ago, that could just be that he died three weeks ago. So maybe he was actually there for less time than that. Yeah, well, I read it as the guy had been there for three weeks. Oh, yeah. Tom had been at, at the farm for three weeks. I just feel that the brainwashing section when Sarah comes along and Tom is talking to her saying he needs me here. Mm. I feel we get to that point way too quick. It didn't follow really, did it? No, and I only noticed that on this viewing. Yeah. Because the film is so subtle and it's so ambiguous. I think for the sake of the running time... This film shouldn't have been any longer than an hour forty, um, because it was—it's meant to be a—it's meant to be a psychological thriller. It's set up as a Hitchcock yeah. thriller. Even the music, yeah, the even strings, the music. Those strings are gorgeous. The second the strings came in, when he when Tom finds his car has no wheels on it, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, right, Hitchcock now you know where you are. Got it. Okay, <laughs> fine. And in a weird way, he's the blonde <clears throat> femme fatale, but but completely flipped. Yeah, the blonde true. femme fatale is meant to be the one being 
the in in control but in a really underhand subtle way mm. tom has no control yeah but i think we get to the brainwashing section too quickly and the film probably could have done with being longer we could have had that that middle section where tom has been psychologically broken down mm. then it would but hammer that- home a lot quicker because it goes it goes from the strangling scene to sarah coming along pretty quickly and suddenly he's completely ingrained in the farm and, and ingrained in that fucked up family yeah and surely the only reason he would actually become that way is if francis showed some kind of genuine tenderness like that's surely that's the only reason that he would begin to think the way that francis does well they danced and francis was quite jovial and tender in that scene his guard was down yeah he helped him wash his hands after the after the badass yeah after (laughs) badass bitch ass was born yeah so there was tender moments from Francis. It's just such a big leap, isn't it? Yeah. From being abused to then becoming the abuser. Like that would take months, if not years, for that transition to happen. It was well, too easy. Or even just to have sympathy for your captor, because that's what Stockholm Syndrome is. You have a complete sympathy yeah. for your captor as a way of emotionally surviving that situation. But the thing is, it became more than that because it actually became Tom... Uh, victimizing Sarah kind of saying we'll do this we'll do that to you Mm. so he was becoming part of the abuse essentially well that is Stockholm Syndrome but I think it just happened too quickly yeah I agree but I didn't want the film to be longer either so it's kind of it's a no-win situation there how did you this is the thing that I was a bit like hmm because for all of the the positive representation that Xavier Dolan has been part of Mm -hmm. in terms of uh gender representation and representation of sexual identity how did you feel about how he portrayed actually farmers and kind of small town people well he said something along the lines of rednecks at one point didn't he yeah but i don't think they're a marginalized community (laughs) i guess i don't think anyone's you know i don't see any any marches for farmers rights yeah it's just i think there is a small there is there is a it's a cliche but there is a small town mentality we know it exists when we know it exists away from the large metropolitan areas they're not they're not always as liberal as people in the big cities Mm. we see that in uh, voting statistics People in rural areas tend to vote for more conservative policies. Yeah. It plays, I mean, things like this and also um, God's Own Country plays on that a little bit. That's exactly what, that's the film I was thinking about when I was watching this. This is kind of the dark twin of God's Own Country. Well, the older brother, because it came out first. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because that is the Francis. It is Francis. It's because that film finds tenderness in nature yeah whereas this film finds absolute savagery in nature yes um and actually this uh, interesting uh, xavier dolan he's still on instagram and he did he posted a thing about having just watched god's own country and he said josh o'connor's character says at one point i want things to be different it made me want to be different too in that i want to be better at filming people and emotions i want sometimes to see things differently which i thought was really interesting because I feel like he's discrediting himself slightly because he's always been so emotionally mature. But the emotions in his films aren't always so open. They're very guarded. So either mm. it's 
it's so a different kind of emotion. Yeah. So in the case of Hubert in I Killed My Mother, there is emotion. Anger is emotion, but it is anger. And it's put there because he doesn't want to interact emotionally. The characters in Heartbeats can't interact emotionally because they want Nicholas so badly, mm. but they can't tell him, can they? Yeah. This is another thing that he said in interviews is that he is obsessed with um, straight guys. Like he always falls in love with straight men. And so he wanted to make a film that was about um, kind of an unreciprocated love. Like unrequited as well. Unrequited love, yeah. And so that's kind of true in a lot of his films. It's this real sadness. Yeah. We talked a bit about tragedy in Lawrence anyways. And I think that there's a lot of tragedy in Xavier Dolan's love stories. Hmm. There's, well, I haven't seen the films that we're going to continue on to after this, but I would like to see him actually tell a love story that has more tenderness and vulnerability where it's not tragic and traumatic in some way, maybe. Maybe that's what he meant by that. Where can the drama be then? Well, that's the question. I don't know. Lise Roy. As Agatha, or yeah. Agni, Agthi? Agatha. Agatha. Longchamp. Yeah. You could just feel the pain and the misery and the complete not knowing of why anything is like the way it is. Yeah. It's, it's a really quiet performance that is allowed to explode at the right time. And she was in the original play and she got brought yes. over to yeah. this. Because he said he, he wanted to make it with her. Yeah. Um, you, real, you get that real sense when... Right towards the end of the film, when Tom discovers he's alone in the house mm-hmm. and he decides to make a run for it. Yeah. That moment, I suddenly realized what it must be like for Agatha to be in that house on her own. You would go crazy. Like it was yeah. so quiet and empty and lifeless and nothing was happening. And I just thought, God, imagine being her stuck in this house when one of her sons is off in the city doing God knows what. And her other son and her husband before he died were out working on the farm. farm. Yeah. She would have just been drifting around that house. Well, she could have gone out to the local pub or she probably had, (laughs) but she would have have gone see friends, I'm sure. I guess so. But But still, it is is a very lonely, isolated life, something like that. Yeah, you could see how she had become this, this, this kind of, I don't know, this really sad, tragic figure. Why does she hug Sarah in that way? Oh, she's grabbing, she's holding on to something, isn't she? Literally, but did she not get the family she wanted? Who, Agatha? Yeah. I think she's, she wants to be physical with someone who she believes was physical with Gilam. Because mm. Gilam had left and stopped talking to them for however long before he killed himself. So he was estranged from the mother and the father and the brother. Before, way before he died yeah she's having a physical moment with someone who could physically connect her in a way to her dead son yeah that's what I read from that because it was kind of a stolen moment she kind of hugged Sarah out of nowhere Sarah yeah. was leaving the room I think she was, and she was sideways which was just really awkward it was an awkward it was an awkward hug yeah but it, it was really kind of a stolen hug mm. She saw a chance and she took it. Do you think that she was, that the mother was responsible for Francis's behaviour, particularly his violence? 
maybe this is maybe this goes back to something I asked about Hubert in I Killed My Mother episode. Does the mother love Francis too much? Hmm. Is she not holding him accountable for his actions? Yeah. I don't know, but I, I was just... There's that moment where... he where Fra- They're sitting at the dinner table having some kind of meal. Hmm. And Francis says something... And she slaps him. Yes. Um, which is shocking in itself. But then you kind of think, well, a violent young man isn't necessarily intrinsically violent. He learns that behavior, you could argue. So is she kind of passing on this violence? And Because she didn't seem like a violent person. She seemed incredibly fragile and vulnerable. Yes. But then she could explode like that out of nowhere. Which is a very human aspect. Yeah. Hubert's mother had that. Yeah. Hubert's mother in I Killed My Mother was quite calm at times, mm. but then would completely explode. 45 minutes. Why do you keep me waiting? Yeah. I can't believe you said I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's telling that Xavier Dolan said that he wanted to make this play because he wanted to explore the mother character because yeah. he's obviously obsessed with mothers. Yeah. Um, so she is... The, you know, possibly the most interesting character in the film. She's almost like the root of the trauma that's kind of spreading through both Francis and Tom's lives in a lot of ways. Uh, Why doesn't she freak out when she first sees him? She arrives home yeah. in the first 10 minutes of the film. He's asleep on the kitchen table. In the what are you doing un- in my house? Yeah, in the most uncomfortable position. But she doesn't kick him out. She just immediately says, you will stay. Yeah. Is, is it just a sign that she's desperate to have somebody else in the house? She's living with that bloody brute. Alarm bells ring. Yeah. Get out of the house. Yeah. If, if a stranger says, oh yeah, you can stay. Yeah, I know. What do they want? What do they want from him? And do you think that she knew that her son was gay? I don't know. It plays into the whole ambiguity of the film. Because she has that outburst where she's crying and suddenly she's got all these questions pouring out of her, a bit similar to that Saturday brunch, but like a sad version of that. But she's saying, why is my... Why is my son dead? Why why is my son... No one dies at 25. Yeah. What happened to him? Yeah. And is it just that she can't conceive of the fact that he could have been gay? And like, has she raised her sons with this, this kind of unspoken notion that homosexuality is not real, doesn't exist, shouldn't exist? Do you feel the ambiguity leaves you unsatisfied? Do you want to know the answers? Not particularly. You know, things like, is Francis gay? Does the mother know? Yeah. Were Tom and Francis fucking? You know, the beds were together. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it works for this film. I don't know. What do you think? I want to know the answers. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if I did know the answers... Would I be as engaged? Yeah. Because sometimes you've got to keep something back from the audience in order to keep them interested. And in fact, most of the time, the reason we are engaged in the film is many factors. We might just like the style. We might like the way the actors are performing. But in terms of the story, if we're constantly questioning what's going on in a good way, yeah. not a bad way, yeah. in a good way, then, of course, the we are completely engaged the ambiguity is a positive aspect on the film i think i think the biggest mystery in the film was francis rather than gillorm i didn't really ever think 
or wonder how Gillon died until mm. much later when I think she finds the shoebox full of all his old stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I wonder how he died. But that didn't really enter my head. That I was more engaged with the mystery of Francis and like, seriously, what is his deal? <laughs> yeah. Kind of what the hell is going on here? You know, there's that speech that he does when he's ironing when like the end of the speech is, I know you like me. So he's aware that Tom is in some way intrigued by him. But he's also saying, he also said, do you ever wonder why I still live here? Um, you know, I'm I'm good looking. I have a farm. I've got money, blah, I blah. I could. What was the word they say? I can satisfy a woman or something like that. I could please a woman. Yeah. Yeah. But this is him saying, I could please a woman or I could yeah. please a woman. The next week would be, but I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. It goes, but then he does seemingly either fuck Sarah or well, use... Well, pissed with her. Well, he just... Well, he tells Tom to take a walk, leaving yeah. them in the car. So are they going to do something in the car or is he just doing that as a way to make Tom jealous? But then also later after that speech in the kitchen where he's ironing, he, say, he explains why he's still there by saying that he needs to look after his mum. So yeah. he doesn't address the sexuality question at all. No. So I, I don't know, with Sarah in the car, they were so drunk... It's almost like he got so drunk to convince himself that he could actually sleep with her. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. Rather than... Continue with Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like all the... A lot of the like flashing neon signs or arrows, they kind of point at him being gay. So, Hmm. So destructively violent to the point where he ripped open a guy's face in a bar. It's It's like he's trying to tear it out of himself. Like he's trying, he's inflicting on others his, his hatred of himself. Yeah. That's one reading. I like that the film opens with all these shots of rural areas. A bit like the end of um, Lost in Translation. I was going to talk about Lost in Translation, actually. Because really? the end of the, the credits yeah. are a travelogue from him going from the town into Yeah, because the... I was going to say, the opening of the film is him heading towards the rural area and then the end credits is the complete opposite of him going back to the city yeah and then right at the end as the last beat of the song the traffic light goes from red to green yeah so is that xavier donor saying don't worry he's out of the danger he's perfectly fine now i think so is that him telling us that he's perfectly fine physically he's no longer anywhere near francis is has that experience on the farm fucked him up, or is it has it has it empowered him? Oh, mm, I think it's. I think he his prior his priorities get a massive check. Is when he's in the bar when he speaks to that bartender who's actually an example of a small towner who isn't bigoted and homophobic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's actually really nice and doesn't want to talk about this horrific abuse that happened in his bar. He doesn't want to propagate. The violence in the set, in the yeah. essence, but I think that that story opens up Tom's eyes to just how kind of what's the I don't want to say traumatized Francis is, but just how messed up he is um, and how dangerous he is, and so that's when he decides to go home and he dumps all his luggage, which was the thing he told himself to go back for. Yeah. But he keeps the stuff that matters, which mm-hmm. is the pictures of his dead boyfriend. Yeah. And then he goes, manages to get home. Yeah, I think 
it was like a really horrible fucked up chapter in his life which will have many more chapters do you think he's able to draw a line under Gilem and say boom that was then this and I'm gonna I'm gonna move on now you'd hope so because it's just so sad the whole situation is just so sad that this farm kind of exists on the edge of the world where it's like it's not okay to be who you are Mm. and that's just awful like he could never live there he could never survive there he would he would be like the cornfields he would shrivel and die it would be awful (laughs) the razor sharp yeah cut himself to death that was actually really kinetic the way running through the cornfields just the way he was moving the camera with with the character yeah I thought it was so kinetic in a way that we hadn't seen him be before. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of an action scene, wasn't it? Kind of, yeah. Because he was running away. He was like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Fuck you. And then he goes, ah, shit. And just runs into the (laughs) cornfield. Let's talk about the Xavier Dolan grammar. Okay. Uh, Cars. Loves cars. Loves cars. Lots of car stuff again. Loves Top Gear. Loves it. Loves Loves it. it. It's his favorite show. He... uh, he Sky Plus is it? I don't know what the Canadian equivalent would be. <laughs> Sky Plus, lots. <laughs> Sky Plus. <laughs> the close-ups. Yes. The claustrophobic close-ups, especially when Ag- Agna. I can't say her name. Agatha. Agatha is having her little bit of mini breakdown. Yeah. So just her so face. close up and shallow depth of field. So claustrophobic. There's cold tones in the cattle stable. And then there's the warm tones in the dance room. Mm. And the sickly greens in mm. the bar, almost like shot with neons, yeah. with fluorescence rather. Makes because, everyone look really ill and his hair looks even more like straw. But that, but that was more of a safe space because it was kind of a gay friendly space. But it doesn't look, those colours are not friendly at all. It's mm. very unnerving i suppose it's because he was going to learn something really quite horrific there yes so that was telling us that i guess yeah and he does do that thing where he follows from behind because when he goes to find his car we follow that that whole walk from the house to the barn where the car is we follow that entire walk Mm. i don't think there are actually that many of xavier dolan's grammatical kind of beats in this film it was so different yeah i think it's a complete change of pace and yeah. I wonder if he thought right I've done the first three in the way that I wanted to let me do something different yeah let me show that I'm a versatile filmmaker yeah because his performance is different he's co-adapted an original source novel a play rather and it's visually it's completely different yeah you it's... wouldn't necessarily look at Tom of the Farmer go oh same person same filmmaker from Heartbeat no not at all and that's why I was surprised at how much I loved Heartbeats after I'd watched Tom at the Farm. Because mm. I expected a certain thing from Xavier Dolan, having watched only Tom at the Farm, and realised this is kind of his um, black sheep, I guess. It's, it's not what he normally does. But Well, black sheep in the, in the sense that it, it's different. Because yeah. I don't think this is a dud at all. No, no, no. It's no. Not. no, I really enjoyed this film, and I liked watching it again. And I think that the people who criticised it um, like I read a, I think I read a review on Roger Ebert and it was really not very nice about the film and I didn't think it was fair, the review. I just felt like they um, 
we're criticizing it for the sake of it. But I think that Xavier Dolan is very much a Marmite director, which I was surprised to learn actually, because I've always liked his stuff, but I guess I'm on the right side of the Marmite. So that was Tom at the Farm, directed by Xavier Dolan. Joshua, give us a hint, what's next? Uh, what is next? Oh, is it is it's a return to uh, Xavier Dolan's favorite topic. Cars. Yes, exactly. He's directing Cars 4 for Pixar. Yeah. Actually, you know we were talking about the Hitchcock stuff with this film. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Xavier Dolan would love to remake Hitchcock's Rope, but ah. in French language. Rope. Which could be interesting. Rope. Rope. Yeah. Because that was like his, what was that, four-shot film or something, right? Uh, no, I think it's like at least ten. Like, yeah. A can of film gives you ten minutes of, of uh, right, okay. continuous ten minutes of time. Yeah. I wonder if he would do the same thing or if he'd do his own spin. I think if you remake Rope, you have to go for the gimmick. Yeah. Like the, um, they did in Psychoville. I've never seen it. So it's from Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pimpleton, yeah. one half of the League of Gentlemen. They did a series called Psychoville. And one of the episodes is a bottle episode. It's in one room. Uh-huh. But it looks like it's all one continuous take. Ooh. Oh, it looks like, but it isn't. No, of course not. Um, in fact, it's probably less successful than Rope. Because you can tell where the seams are in, in Psychoville. Ro- oh, really? But not Rope. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I digress. <laughs> but I digress. Head on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and TuneIn apps. Hit subscribe and follow so you don't miss any of these episodes. And we are on Twitter at TormStubsPod. What did you think about Tom at the Farm? Do you think he, we should have watched Tom at the gym or maybe Tom at the supermarket? <laughs> or at the tattoo parlor. Yeah, pretend. Oh my God. He's got yeah, his way tattoos. more tattoos than he did in I Killed he My does. Mother. He's got a Jack from Titanic tattoo, I think, on his arm. Has he? Something like that, yeah. He's got, I'm, sometimes tattoos can be like, why'd you get that? But his tattoos are pretty, seem pretty personal and, they, and they're yeah. placed where he's got two on his thighs. They just look really cool. Yeah. Also, head to those apps again. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and tune in and take a listen to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast. Editor-in-Chief of Trash, Dan Ball, and Trash Contributor, Will Warren, walk you through all these albums, literally track by track. We're off to the farm. Are we indeed? To push our beds together. (laughs) Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Au revoir. Cut.